Welcome to Fast Company Digest, essential stories from tech, design, impact, and work life, narrated by Noah App. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor and host of the New Way We Work podcast, Kathleen Davis. Here are this week's stories. First, what happened to the recession? Forecasters have been predicting doom and gloom for more than a year now, but the economy grew by 4.9% in the last three months. Writer James Sirwicki explains what's going on. Narrated by Noah. Listen to more of the world's best journalism on the Noah app or at newsoveraudio.com. For Noah, this is Michael Satow, reading from Fast Company. We're on the 27th of October, 2023. James Sirwicki writes, How could all those dire recession forecasts be so wrong? When it comes to the U.S. economy, the hits just keep on coming. That's the obvious takeaway from the third quarter GDP report released on October 26th, which found the economy grew at a remarkably robust 4.9% annualized real rate from July to September. That beat expectations and was the fastest the economy has grown since the end of 2021, when growth was being fueled by the post-pandemic rebound and the Biden administration's stimulus spending. The economy saw solid growth in almost all the key components of GDP. Consumer spending was up 4% year over year, thanks to low unemployment, falling inflation, and the fact that consumers still have more than a trillion dollars in extra savings built up during the pandemic. Private investment, especially in R&D, rose and has now contributed to GDP growth five quarters in a row. Companies also spent heavily on restocking inventories last quarter, which is a sign that they expect consumer demand to remain solid. Residential investment rose because in spite of rising interest rates, builders are building new homes, and government spending, particularly on defense, rose. If you wanted to look for blemishes in the report, you could point to the fact that real disposable personal income fell slightly in the quarter, though it was still up more than 3% year over year. And the inventory buildup means that next quarter, inventories will likely contribute little to economic growth. But on the whole, the report paints the picture of an economy that's in solid shape and that has not just fully recovered from the pandemic, but may well have boosted its underlying trend growth rate. On the one hand, that's not surprising, given that most of the economy's key underlying metrics – unemployment, inflation, consumer spending, corporate investment, corporate profits – have been moving in the right direction all year. But what is striking about the continued good health of the economy is how contrary it's been to the expectation of most pundits and economic analysts. Almost exactly a year ago, after all, Bloomberg published an article with the headline, Forecast for U.S. Recession Within Year Hits 100% in Blow to Biden. The article explained that Bloomberg Economics' recession probability model, which is based on 13 different macroeconomic and financial indicators, saw a recession in the next 12 months as essentially certain, and that the odds of a recession hitting sooner than within a year had also risen. Other forecasters were also glum, if not as certain of a downturn as Bloomberg's model was. Even though the economy grew at a healthy 3.2% clip in the third quarter of 2022, a Bloomberg survey of 42 economists in October put the likelihood of a recession at 60%, and a similar Reuters poll that month put the odds at 65%. Pessimism was so ubiquitous, in fact, that CNBC ran a piece at the end of the year titled, Why Everyone Thinks a Recession is Coming in 2023. 
and the skepticism endured. The Federal Reserve's own staff, for instance, said in December 2022 that a recession was plausible, and by March of 2023 was predicting that a mild recession would hit before the year was out. There are obvious reasons for 2022's grim forecasts. Consumer sentiment was gloomy, as oddly it still is today. The stock market had fallen sharply, and most obviously, in an effort to squash inflation, the Fed had hiked interest rates four points in a matter of nine months. It's hiked them another full point in 2023. When interest rates rise that much, that quickly, it's not unreasonable to expect it to put a significant dent in economic growth. At the same time, the ubiquitousness of the gloom and its persistence in the face of continued good economic performance also seemed to reflect a desire not to be fooled again. Analysts had, for the most part, missed the sharp increase in inflation that we saw in 2021 and 2022, and it felt as if they were making sure they were not going to underestimate the potential downside risks to the economy again. And there's no real peril in offering up a gloomy forecast, particularly when everyone else is too, since if you turn out to be wrong, it'll be because of a nice surprise that no one's really unhappy about. But in their relentless focus on the downside risks to the economy, economic analysts and much of the business press missed the upside potential of the U.S. economy. We have, after all, seen the economy keep growing in the past, despite interest rate hikes. And it's not really clear that higher interest rates have that much of an impact on consumers, who are the big drivers of the current boom. When unemployment is low, inflation is falling, corporate profits are healthy, and government programs like the ones created by the Inflation Reduction Act are helping boost investment, that's a recipe for growth. That doesn't mean that the U.S. economy is going to grow at anything like the clip it did last quarter. And if the Fed decides it needs to keep hiking, at some point those higher rates will have a meaningful negative impact on the economy's growth rate. The stock market's seemingly grim reaction to the GDP news likely reflected concern that a booming economy might lead the Fed to keep hiking interest rates, coupled with some earnings reports that disappointed investors. But people have spent a lot of time over the past 18 months talking about all the things that they thought were likely to go wrong with the economy. Maybe we should take a minute to recognize all the things that have gone right. You are listening to Fast Company, where James Sirwicky writes, How could all those dire recession forecasts be so wrong? This article was published on the 27th of October, 2023, and was read by Michael Satow for NOAA. And next, it's been a year since Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion. In that time, he's changed the company's name, overseen mass layoffs, strict rollbacks of content policies, and implemented a pay-for-play verification system. The result has been a mass exodus of advertisers and users. So what's Elon Musk's social media platform worth now? For Noah, this is Sam Scholl reading from Fast Company. We're on the 27th of October, 2023. Scott Nova writes, Is X worth anything these days? One year ago, Elon Musk took over Twitter. The acquisition was the culmination of a blistering six months in which one of the world's richest men campaigned vehemently to buy the company, then tried equally hard to wriggle out of the deal, before finally accepting defeat. He marched into Twitter's offices on October 26, 2022, carrying a detached bathroom sink. Let 
that sink in, he tweeted. Hilarious. The next day, the deal was complete, and Musk was the proud new owner of his favorite social media platform. Buying Twitter cost Musk an exorbitant sum, $44 billion, which comes out to a $54.20 per share offer price, a wee joke that'd make a high schooler roll their eyes. Despite being among the world's wealthiest people and proposing the sale price himself, Musk didn't have the liquidity to pay $44 billion outright. He relied on $7 billion of equity investment and $13 billion in bank loans. The annual estimated cost of servicing this debt is $1 billion. In the year since Musk took over Twitter, he's overseen mass layoffs, strict rollbacks of content policies, and a pay-for-play system, whereby paying users get much more reach than those who pay nothing. The result has been a mass exodus of advertisers, user defections to new platforms like Blue Sky and Meta's Threads, and an abject degradation of the platform formerly known as Twitter. It's unlikely that Twitter was actually worth $44 billion at the time Musk proposed the deal. In fact, Musk has publicly stated that he overpaid for it. He even engaged in a months-long legal battle to try to save himself from paying what he promised to pay. If Twitter was ever worth anything close to $44 billion before Musk, it's certainly worth much less now after a year of chaotic and tumultuous management. Usually when a platform starts to lose its value, either literally or figuratively, there are at least some external factors at play, says Jasmine Enberg the principal analyst for social media at the market research firm Insider Intelligence. In recent years, Snap has had massive setbacks from Apple's iOS privacy changes and Facebook parent company Meta has struggled to fend off serious new competition from TikTok. X's wounds are almost entirely self-inflicted, she says. Before Musk took over, Twitter derived 92% of its revenue from advertising. Musk, who has publicly stated he hates advertising, has tried to move the company away from that dependence and to diversify revenue streams. He's put most of his eggs in the subscription revenue basket, building the site around Twitter Blue, now called X Premium, and shifting the balance of power on the site toward anyone who will pay him $8 a month. He's done this all in the name of turning Twitter, now X, into an everything app akin to China's WeChat, but he hasn't actually built anything worth paying for. Nothing good is yet to come from Musk's acquisition of Twitter, says Mike Pru, vice president and research director at the market research firm Forrester. Under his leadership, he's dismantled the Twitter brand, decimated the company's primary revenue stream, and boosted the spread of misinformation. From this unhinged base, it's hard to see how X becomes the super app that Musk envisions. Advertisers have been scared off by lax content moderation practices, a reality that's stark since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. Users are clearly unhappy, too. According to a new report by the firm Aptopia, Twitter has lost 13% of daily users since Musk took over in 2022. For reference, a bad year for a social media company typically involves slower growth, not fleeing users. In March, Insider Intelligence estimated Twitter's yearly advertising revenue would fall 28% in 2023. Today, the firm revised that forecast to reflect a significant reduction for the year. 
It now projects Twitter will only bring in $1.9 billion in ad revenue in 2023, down from $4.1 billion in 2022, a 54% drop. X's ad business deteriorated more quickly than we had anticipated in March, and there have been little signs of improvement, she said. Even though some advertisers have returned, few are spending at pre-Musk levels. The job of determining Twitter's real valuation may be a fool's errand. When Twitter was a publicly traded company, we, the public, were privy to details about its management, its top investors, and its quarterly financial results. Now, since Musk took the company private, we're mostly in the dark. As Zawath Motoron, a New York University professor, says he would guess that ad revenues are down and subscription revenues are up, but admits that's thin gruel for evaluation. That hasn't stopped others from giving their own best guesses. Wedbush securities analyst Daniel Ives said around the time of the purchase that Twitter was only worth about $25 billion. In March, Musk himself weighed in, claiming the company is worth about $20 billion. In May, Fidelity Investments, which helped finance Musk's deal, reported their shares at a $15 billion valuation, though it slowly increased that estimate over the summer. Greg Martin, managing director at the firm Rainmaker Securities, which lets people trade private stock, said he's seen bids recently at a $20 billion valuation. That's less than half off the price he paid for it, Martin said in an email. Still feels high to me. Twitter is cash flow negative, despite laying off thousands of employees and reducing overall expenses significantly, he continued. It's not clear how they grow out of this hole. Ego has damned Elon Musk's Twitter. Instead of slowly weaning off Twitter's ad dependence in a down year for the ad market, he took a sledgehammer to the operation and eliminated the staff courting advertisers and the content rules that allowed them to feel comfortable running ads next to user-generated content. He has treated Twitter, now X, as a technology company that he could remake in his own vision, rather than a social network fueled by people and ad dollars. Insider Intelligence's Enberg says, People are just as important as the technology, and what Musk has envisioned for the platform isn't aligned with what most users or advertisers wanted or expected. The result is that one year after Musk acquired Twitter, it's become a worse financial drain than perhaps even he expected when tried to wrestle out of the deal last summer. Twitter is at best worth half of what he bought it for, with a debt burden that'll plague him until he coughs up billions, likely by liquidating valuable yet mercurial Tesla stock in order to pay it off. Musk has remade Twitter in his own image, yes, but Twitter will continue to burn a hole in Musk's pocket until something radical changes. And he might hope for that. A slow burn could be more painful. You were listening to Fast Company, where Scott Nova writes, Is X worth anything these days? This article was published on the 27th of October, 2023, and was read by Sam Scholl for Noah.